we spend some time this morning talking about what these two men or who these two men represent. And we, of course, uh, without getting all into all of that, because we spent plenty of time this morning on it, we, we did note that Enoch represented the church and how the church will be raptured out before the tribulation, before judgment. And then we noted also how Noah represents the Jewish race or Israel as they're going through the, the, the tribulation and they're going to be faced with a number of obstacles there. And yet we said and understood that whether God chooses to deliver, to deliver them, uh, in, in this case we said that whether or not God chooses, chooses to deliver you out of tribulation or deliver you through tribulation, it didn't really matter. God is faithful. I mean, one way or the other, he's going to go through it. We're going to get through it. We're going to be okay. I mean, whether he delivers us out of it or through it, either way, God is faithful. And we learn that. We see that with the Jews through the tribulation. We recognize that with um, uh, Enoch being taken out prior to. We we know as uh, believers, we're going to go through trials and tribulations in our own lives, but God is faithful. And we are certainly glad for that. And we're thankful for the fact that he is faithful. But we also began to touch on this idea here that of, the, of, of, of all the characters in the Bible, bar none, just these two, only these two in the entire Bible, does the Bible say that they walked with God? And I thought that was interesting. I mean, to think that only two of all the characters, I mean, there's so many wonderful characters. I think of the Apostle Paul and and, 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 you know, you can't help but think about maybe Peter or, or uh, who knows? I mean, Barnabas even. I mean, these men were men of God. And for only two in the entire Bible, I mean, what about David? And, uh, you know, what about uh, Daniel? I mean, so many great characters throughout the Word of God, so many great men, so many great women, and yet only two characters or two men in the entire Bible does it say that they walked with God. Well, I want to consider that phrase, walked or walk with God. I think that that's important. I think that obviously if, you know, we learned a lot about them and we learned, or should we say we learned a lot from them this morning, but what is this walking with God? I mean, maybe we can just kind of make it just a little bit simpler, but the fact is, is that I got to believe that we ought to be walking with God. I mean, we ought to walk with God. I mean, I mean, they walked with God, and I, I, I got to assume, and I have to believe that there were others in the Bible that did walk with God. It just doesn't say that. And so it drew our attention to them, and we learned some things, very, very important things because of that truth. But what about you and I? Do we walk with God? I mean, that's, that's important. And so I want to take that, just that phrase, you know, walk with God. And I want to break it down. And I have three simple points. The first point is walk. The second point is with. And the third point is God. How simple it is? And then we'll go from there, okay? And and we'll see what God can teach us tonight. And and we'll see what the Lord has for us. And we'll have our communion and we'll have a good time tonight honoring Christ. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you thanking you again for the privilege that we have to gather in your house. Lord, we need you today. Pray that you'd fill me with your spirit and may you, Father, be with each and every one that's represented here tonight. We're just mere men and women. And, Father, we are just mere creations and we're simple clay. And Father, we're asking you, the potter, to mold us and make us. And we're asking you, Father, just to speak to our hearts and, Lord, to do a supernatural work in our lives. Dear God of heaven, we know that nothing eternal will be accomplished except your breath, your Holy Spirit fall upon us. And, Father, just drive home truth in our hearts. And, 
Help us, Lord, not to just be hearers, but doers of the word. Father, we'll thank you and praise you for that. Now bless this service, and Father, may you just be exalted and magnified. For Father, in the end, that is truly what you deserve. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So, first of all, we think about this idea of walk. And uh, walk implies motion. I mean, you can't walk and not be moving, right? Uh, At least that's the way it seems to me. If I walk across the stage, I'm moving. It, It implies motion. But, you know, walk has a few other things. First of all, there's desire. I mean, you have to want to walk. You have to choose to walk. I mean, you can't just, you know, a person sits in a chair. They're not walking. There has to be a desire to walk. And not only a desire, but when we think about walking, there's not only desire, but there's direction. I mean, as soon as you start walking, you're going in a direction, a specific direction. Now, you're headed somewhere. Now, I, I, um, I, I walk around my block sometimes. It's a big circle. And someone could say, well, you're actually going nowhere. You're walking in a big circle. That's true in one sense, but I'm actually walking in a direction. I'm going one way. I'm either going north, east, south, or west. I said it different than you would have, right? But you're going one way or another. You're actually walking in some direction. You're going somewhere. I, I, I walked past this house and I walked past that house. I went somewhere I wouldn't have gone if I wasn't walking. So there's an element of desire. You have to want to walk. And then there has to be an, there's an element of direction. You're headed somewhere. Now listen, the bottom line is this. You and I today are either headed toward Christ or we are headed toward the world. That's just the reality of all this. I mean, so there is direction involved here in the Christian life. And, and, you know, it seems to me that many professing Christians are kind of standing still. And the truth is that, the truth is really that you are either moving forward or you are losing ground and going backward. That's the reality of this. you, You know, you really don't just stand still. Now... Everyone and everything, in a sense, is moving forward. That's how it should be going. We should be going forward. So when you stop moving as a believer, then then everyone else is going to pass you up. And in essence, you're going backward now. They leave you behind. I was sitting next to a truck one day, and um, all of a sudden, I just found myself jamming on my brakes. I mean, it just, I don't know what it was. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I just, this this fear gripped my heart and I just was like, whoom, I hit my brakes. And then I realized something. I wasn't moving. The truck had just eased forward a little bit and made me feel like I was what? Moving backwards. Have you ever felt that before? I mean, it's a scary feeling. You think you're going to run, you know, I'm like, whoa. I mean, I jammed on my brakes. I'm thinking, oh man, I hope I didn't ruin something. But my senses were fooled. And that truck, when it eased forward, made me feel like I was drifting backward. And in a sense, that's exactly what's happening to us as believers when we fail to move forward. We really are going backwards. Now, let me just have uh, three fellas. Let me uh, give me a hand. And you two guys, come on, give me a hand here real quick. Just stand right in the front here. Okay, so we have these three guys, and they're they're all three Christians. They know the Lord. Just face that way. Would you face that way? I know. Yeah. That's your best side. Trust me. 
Okay, so anyway, um, <clears throat> these three guys here, here they are. They're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're all three Christians, and, and they're, they're, they're moving forward for God. I mean, they're faithful to church. They're, they're, trying, they're, they're faithful in the Word of God. They're, they're trying to memorize Scripture. They find themselves uh, meditating, thinking, and considering the Word of God on a regular basis. They wake up in the morning, and man, I mean to tell you, they're thankful for being alive. They're thankful for the Word of God and for the work that God's doing in their life. And so they're moving forward, take a step forward. Okay, so they're all moving forward. And then they just are excited. I mean, it's going to be revival time, and they can't wait to go to the services, and they're excited about what's going to take place. And, boy, they're getting involved in the services, and they're maybe singing in the choir, or they're, they're involved in the bus ministry and the Sunday school. They've made a decision to be in, plugged in so that they're, they're forced to even grow even at a greater rate. And so they're just moving forward together, another step. And then all of a sudden, one of them says, you know what, this church thing, I appreciate church and I know it has its place and it's important in a person's life. But for right now, I'm getting a little bit busy and there's a lot of other responsibilities and things that I have to do. And I mean, I've got school and I've got studies and I've got work and I've got this and I've got that. And he says, you know what, I'm just going to have to back off just a little bit. And before he knows it, he starts to miss some church. Before he knows it, he starts to slip in his Bible reading and his prayer time. Before he knows it, his relationship with Jesus Christ isn't quite what it used to be. He's not nearly as excited to go to church as he once was. He's not nearly as motivated to get in the Word of God. He's not nearly as, as thrilled to pray and to seek the face of God. And so he just kind of says, you know, I'm not really going to, I'm not really going to pull out. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit, but I'm not going to go forward. And so he decides to stand still. The other two just keep moving forward, take another step. And so Time goes on, and he still reads his Bible. He misses once in a while. He's still showing up in church, and he might even still be singing in the choir. But there's something inside that's changed. His heart's not quite right with God anymore in the sense as it used to be. He's not thrilled to be in the house of God like he was. And there's just something different. He's kind of put the brakes on a little bit. He's slowed things down. And he finds himself slipping in certain areas of his Christian life, without a doubt. So he just says, you know, I'm not going to quit church. I'm not going to give up on God. I'm not going to stop reading my Bible, even though I miss here and there, and I don't, I'm not as faithful as I used to be. I'm still a Christian, and I still believe in God, and I still want to be right with God. I just don't want to go forward. And so the other ones say, we're still moving forward. We're going to continue to grow in our Christian life. We're going to continue to, 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 if we can take a discipleship class, we're taking it. If we can do soul certification, we're going to do it. If we can uh, learn more about teaching, we're going to do it. If we can figure out what's going on and how to help people and encourage people and counsel people, we're going to learn all we can to do those things even. Man, they're taking steps forward. They're growing their Christian life. They're spending even a little more time in the Word of God than they used to. I mean, they're memorizing a scripture on a regular, consistent basis. They're really serious about their walk with God. They're out soul winning, and when they're out, they're not just doing it for duty. They're doing it because they love Jesus Christ and they want to see others come to the Lord so that they too can honor Christ with their life like they're trying to honor Christ with their life. They take another step forward. This poor guy here, he's kind of given up on moving forward right now. Let me tell you something. He's going backwards. He's really going backwards. Someone says, well, he's just standing still. No, he's going backwards because he's not where he belongs. 
He's not growing as he should. Therefore, he's not really growing. Hey, wait a second. If these were just children, these were babies. And all of a sudden now, they're, they're five-year-olds. These guys are still walking. And uh, these guys are walking and they're running and they're playing in the playground. But this poor guy right here, he stopped going forward with crawling. He's only crawling and he's five years old. You'd say, he's really backwards. He's really backwards. Let me tell you something. Spiritually speaking, if you are not going forward, you're losing ground, and in essence, you are going backward. And I I think it's important that we understand this because, see, when we start talking about walking with God, it it begins with that walk. And that walk is, it begins with a desire and it it sets a direction. And ultimately, it ends us in a destination. Gives us a goal. Paul the Apostle said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're on a journey. We're in a battle, yes, but we're in a race as well. And we have to be moving forward. The goal or, the, or the, the, the finish line is out there somewhere. And the truth is, is that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And God wants you to fulfill your God-given purposes. Yes, you begin as a lady, a woman. You begin as a man. And listen, you cannot possibly be in the will of God, nor can you possibly be fulfilling the purpose that God has for you if you're a lady trying to act like a man. And you can't do that if you're a man trying to act like a lady. The bottom line is, is that you are born a woman, you're born a man, and in order to honor Christ and to truly fulfill your God-given purpose for existing, you have to fulfill the purpose of a woman first, a lady first. Then you become what you're supposed to be on top of that. And let me tell you something, as a child of God, don't think for a minute that you can disregard the commands of Scripture and believe somehow you're still fulfilling a God-given purpose for your life. You can't do that. When you stop going forward for God, you are going backward. But I'm walking with God. You can't walk with God and not be obedient to the Scriptures and not be fulfilling God, your God-given purpose. So as these move forward, and this one says, I just said, I'm not going forward. He, in essence, is going backwards. And let's be honest. It won't be much longer. He gets so discouraged in his Christian life because there's no answered prayer. I mean, he's just like, life just isn't, I mean, things are falling apart in my life. And you know what? He gives up on God. He's got other things that are more important to him all of a sudden. And before it's over with, have a seat, my friend. He's not even in the race anymore. Now, he's a child of God. I'm not going to belabor that issue. I'm not going to say he lost his salvation. I'm not going to go there. But my point being is he's not in the race that God intended him to be in. He's not in the battle anymore. He's taking a seat on the bench. He's not out on the playing field. And therefore, he is the one that suffers more than anyone else. And those around him. Because when he fails to fill the void or the gap that God intended him to fill, then there are others that suffer. Thank you, gentlemen. appreciate your help today. So walk implies motion and therefore there's desire there's direction and ultimately destination and that destination ought to be jesus christ it ought to be a closeness a relationship an intimacy with the creator and with the christ who died for us on calvary they're one and the same so we see walk but what about that next word with with 
It's important to realize the design. Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. We're in Genesis already, so you should be fairly close if you haven't closed your Bible yet. And if you have, then I think Genesis will be a very easy one to find, obviously. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. God, of course, has placed Adam in the Garden of Eden. And he breathed and he formed him of the dust of the earth, of course, of the dust of the ground. And then he, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And now we see Adam here in the garden. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. He says, you know what, this Adam's struggling here. I mean, from the very beginning, we have watched Adam. I walk with Adam in the cool of the day. I spend time with Adam, but there's something about Adam. He just, man, he's just struggling being alone. It's not good that the man should be alone, he says. They're in the most perfect environment. I mean, there was no lack of animal companionship. I mean, some have said that it's quite possible that all the animals at that point could speak like Balaam's donkey did. Many believe that. I don't know if that's true or not. I know that the serpent could speak. I don't believe it was just mental telepathy. And if that's the case, then that means not only could dogs and cats and cattle talk or, or, or fellowship with a man, but they could talk to a man. But animals aren't human beings. Listen, don't believe the liberal left or right or wherever they're at. Animals are not humans. And as sad as it was to watch that ape, I believe it was, and that zoo get shot and killed, as sad and as tragic as that was, the reality was that little baby was a human. That little three-year-old was human. There's a difference. Adam, he just, it wasn't enough. All the, he named all the animals. They were his buddies, man. Hey, how you doing, John? What's up, man? You know? <laughs> doing good. You know what I mean? I mean, he had them. They were his buddies, man. I mean, he could talk to them anytime he wanted. But there was something wrong. It wasn't enough. God saw that, and God recognized the fact that there, he needed more than that. See, Our need for fellowship and companionship is rooted in our DNA. It is rooted in our DNA. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. Notice what else the Bible teaches. Look there if you would. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 10... It says, two are better than one. 
especially if they're like Big Macs or something like that. Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. Verse 10, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. You've seen the commercial. Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. You've seen it, right? Nobody hears her, of course, because she just isn't loud enough. But the fact is, is that you fall and you're alone. Man, it can be hours, even days. You're stuck. And biblically, scripturally, he makes it clear. Two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good reward. Yes. But also for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. Give him a hand and help him up. Someone's there to lift them up. Someone's there to pick them up. And you want to know something? The truth is, is this. There's not one of us in this room tonight. Not one of us in this room that isn't going to fall sooner or later. Not one of us. We're all going to fall at some point in our lives. We're going to fall into sin, possibly. We'll fall into trouble. We'll fall into hard times. We'll fall into discouragement. We'll fall into loneliness. I'm going to tell you something. Woe to him that is alone when he falleth. We see the design. We note the danger. In Proverbs 13, 20, just listen very closely to this passage. You can write it down if you want to. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Hey, you know what? We are wired for fellowship. We are wired for companionship. We really, two are better than one, because why? When one falls, he can be picked back up, and the reward is even greater. But hold on a second. The danger with that is because we are wired for fellowship and we are wired for companionship, we have to be very careful who we fellowship with. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, the Bible says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupts good manners. You get around the wrong lifestyle. You're influenced by the wrong behavior I mean, you will be influenced. I guess that's what we're saying. You will. Don't be deceived. Don't think you're the exception to the rule. Don't believe that you can overcome that negative spirit or you can deal with those ungodly attitudes and actions in the lives of those people that you look up to. Let me tell you something. No one in this room is strong enough. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupts good manners. Evil communication, communication being lifestyle, an evil lifestyle, and you submit yourself to be influenced by those lifestyles, it will corrupt you. You've got to be careful. It will corrupt any of us. Why does he say, come out from among them and be ye separate, say the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing? Because evil communications corrupts good manners. And he's saying, be not deceived. See, who you walk with determines where you end up. And that's true with all of us. I, not just teenagers. 
true for all of us. Your friends and companions should be the kind of people that encourage your walk with God and better you for God. You say, well, I've got a friend. It's just kind of neutral. They, they don't really encourage me in the Lord, but they don't, I don't think they really ne- they're not a negative influence either. They shouldn't be your friend. You say, well, I think that's being a little bit overboard. I think it's a little bit radical. I think it's a little bit crazy. You know, that's, that's kind of old-fashioned. <laughs> uh, well, it's called Bible. God's just trying to protect you and your family and others. See, are you closer to God for having a particular friend? That's important. It is so important. That's why it's so important that you choose your friends and don't allow your friends to choose you. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is this. You decide who's going to be your friend. You don't let someone just show you attention and say, hey, I'm your friend. Uh, You're not my friend unless I choose you as my friend. Because, see, if you're my friend, I have allowed you and I permit you to influence my life. And honestly, you may not be worthy of influencing me in my life. You know, if it's somebody, but, but you don't want to be so rude to people. I'm going to tell you something right now. Just, I'm talking about a friend now. Not somebody you can confide in. I'm some, talking about somebody you can talk to, somebody you can trust with your, you know, with your life, with your, your thoughts, with your, your, your feelings. Listen, in reality, the truth is we talk about, oh, I got all kind of friends. Oh, I got Facebook. I've got all kind of friends. I got people following. They're not your friends. Yeah, go ahead. Lose your job. Don't have any money. Don't have any food on the table. And just contact all your friends and see how many of them take you in their home. I mean, honestly. They're not friends. You better be careful who you allow to influence you, and you better choose and pick your friends very wisely. They say you can pick your nose and you can pick your friends, but you can't wipe your friends off the, uh, underneath the couch. That's, that's, I just heard that before, okay? So I don't know what that has to do with anything, but anyway, I've heard it before. And I heard it in church, mind you. So it must be right. Harold Morris... Harold Morris, he grew up in South Carolina. He was the son of a sharecropper. And uh, this story had a tremendous impact in my life early on uh, in in the ministry and early on in my years uh, as a older, as a young single. But he became an all-state high school athlete in three sports with a number of scholarship offers. But one fateful night while he was out with the wrong crowd, his life changed forever. Harold dropped off his buddies who went into a particular store to buy some beer, or so he thought. The problem was they had a gun. The next thing he knew, they were, he heard gunshots, and the two men come fleeing out of the grocery store there. They hopped in the car, and they just took off down the street. Harold may have only been driving the car, and had nothing to do with the shooting in the least, but he was still found guilty of armed robbery and murder. And at the age of 29, 
He landed in the Georgia State Penitentiary serving two life sentences and nine years on death row. All because the wrong friends. Harold would find Christ while he was behind bars and ultimately he would be released from prison. He'd spend the rest of his life lecturing around the country to teenagers and others concerning the dangers of alcohol, drugs, and the wrong friends. Well, I'm glad that he turned it around. I'm glad that he recognized the error of his way, but may I say it cost him years of his life. And so many times we believe things like that are so harmless. We have to be so careful. That word with. We see the design. We see the danger. And finally, God. Do you know we're talking about walk with God? Walk with God. You know that you have to find God? You've got to find Him. The Bible says, I mean, we, we say, where do you find God? In His creation. You find Him in His creation. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Even the greatest infidel can look at creation and if they're truly honest in their own self, if they'll really search their own heart, they have to admit there's something different about creation. It couldn't just happen. It testifies of a God in heaven, a God of order. We find God in His Word. John chapter 5, verse 39 Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. You believe that? Isn't that a wonderful thought to think that if we want to meet Him, we want to know Him, we want to get to, be, to understand who God is and what He is all about, we simply need to open His Word. Think about how little time we really spend in this book. There are more Bibles printed today than ever before. There are more Bible helps and aids than ever before. There's more literature written about the Bible than ever before. There's more opportunity to learn, know, and understand the Bible than ever before. And yet there's a greater Bible illiteracy in the house of God and in the church of God than ever before. Isn't that sad? It's it's sad. It's tragic. I want to walk with God. Well, it's going to take a desire. It's going to take a desire. And you're going to have to understand you're going to have to go in a particular direction and have a specific destination. But then also you need to understand that You're going to have to pick and choose not only Christ himself to draw nigh to, but you're going to have to eliminate certain influences in your life, including friends and others, that hinder and hamper your walk with him. And then we have to realize that if we want to truly walk with God, we need to know a little bit about him and we need to be able to find him. And therefore, we're going to have to be very aware of His creation. We're going to have to be very clear on His Word and very involved in that book, the Word of God. 
I love them that love me, he says in Proverbs 8, 17, and those that seek me early shall find me. I believe we find God in his call or in his word or in his, his reach for us. In Revelation 3, 20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. He's crying out to so many because he wants a relationship and he wants fellowship with them. Do we heed his call? So we need to find God. But then once we find God, we know Christ, say, as Savior and Lord. We, we've, we've made up our mind to, to draw nigh to him. But okay, now we have to follow God. We have to follow him. See, if we're going to walk with God, then we have to walk with God. So he says, that's stupid. That's what? No, I'm telling you that many people believe they're walking with God. But really, they expect God to walk with them. Well, I'm walking with God. Oh, are you? Let's see, whose plan, whose agenda are you really serving? Well, I believe God wants me to, let's see, let's find that out real quick. No, that violates a scriptural principle. You're not walking with God. You want God to walk with you. Turn, if you would, to Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. I'm going to close this out. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. The Bible there in this particular passage, it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? That seems like a pretty reasonable question. And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standeth is holy. And Joshua did so. See, Joshua and the children of Israel had miraculously crossed the Jordan River. After wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, they had miraculously crossed the Jordan River. And now Jericho stood between them and the promised land that God had said would be theirs. Joshua, the leader of this great nation. Joshua, their greatest military mind. Now stands gazing across the plain and looking at this great city contemplating the battle when he sees a man with a sword drawn. Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Are you on our side or theirs? Are you on my side or their side? (laughs) Nay, 
but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. See, God, He says, I'm not on anybody's side. You've got to get on my side. I'm not on your team. You've got to get on my team. And you know, so often, we honestly make our plans and then we say, God, follow me. I've been guilty of that. God, follow me. God, follow me. We have a bad attitude, a horrible spirit. And when we pray, oh Lord, bless me and my family. Provide for us and protect us, oh God. We're not even in the will of God. Lord, follow me. I won't get right with that brother at church. I won't forgive that person that hurt or harmed me. I won't allow myself to yield to authority. But God, get on my side. Follow me, God. Follow me. These two men. They're the only two in the Bible that the Bible says they walked with God. Hey, it's, it's not to be taken lightly here. It's not to be taken lightly. I wonder today, will we really honestly and sincerely choose to walk with God? To surrender and submit ourselves wholly, entirely, completely to His way, His word, and His work? Or will we go to God with our own agenda? Because if we go with our own agenda, we are not walking with God. We are asking God to walk with us. God help us like Noah and like Enoch to walk with God. Will you walk with God? Will you get on His side? Will you follow His leadership and direction? Will you obey His commands? Will you die to self and allow Him to take the lead? Will you walk with God? Father, we come to you.